Bible says, my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him for you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You see, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Terror couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! Okay, so you, when you came here today, he's either king or he's not king, right? So we said that he's my king, and we, um, but he, he either is your king or he's not. And we have one goal today, and that's when, before you leave here, that he's your king, okay? We want to make sure that you understand who he is. And um, we, we hear a lot about Jesus. We're going to read a lot about Jesus. But we, the goal is just for, for, to make sure that you know who he is. 
And so let's pray. Let's start out with praying. Father, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We ask that you fill this space right now, that we're standing on holy ground. We ask in the name of Jesus that if there's any spirit here that's against you, that under the name and the authority of Jesus, it's commanded to leave. So, Father, we just want to focus on you, and we want to learn more about you, and we ask these things in the blessed, saving name of Jesus. Amen. So, I know a lot of you um, came today hoping to hear from our teaching elder, David Yarbrough. Um, he'll be back. What, what we do here is we, we very much believe that... Uh, David is a, is, delivers the anointed word every, every week. But we want to make sure that he does that. And so uh, we ask him to take three or four times a year off just to get fed so that when he comes back, he's bringing it. And you know that he'll be bringing it when next Sunday. So you're definitely going to want to come back. Um, I'm excited already of, of what God's going to be talking to him about. So just know that... Um, that uh, David is, um, I, I, I'm going to make David look that much better to you today, right? <laughs> so David will be back. Just so you know that I, I'm the elder that controls the thermostats. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there you go. So some of you guys and ladies, are, you can high-five me when you leave. The, the others that are cold, you can talk to Chuck. <laughs> No, but we're, we're very glad that you're here, and the, the one thing that I do want you to know today about me is I believe this is the inerrant Word of God. Amen. It's true from cover to cover, right? Do you believe that? Yes. Okay. You've all agreed with me, so when I come back to that, I'm going to remind you, hey, it's not my words. I told the prayer team today, I'm going to say some things that hopefully they don't offend, but if they do, don't be mad at me. I'm just going to tell you what God's word said. And you've agreed that that's his word. So as we, um, as we look at the text today, let's just know that um, I want to know who he is. And I want to make sure that you know who he is. So we talked about what did the video say? Who did it say that Jesus was? He said he's the king of Israel the king of the Jews, the king of righteousness, the king of ages, the king of heaven, the king of glory, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords. I just love the, the energy in which uh, that man says that. He says it because he believes it, and I know that you believe it. But you know, ever since Jesus was on earth, people wanted to know, who is this guy? You know, he only lived 33 years and as, as I was studying it, it, it said that he only walked, he only traveled around 100 miles in his whole ministry. So you got a guy 33 years old that only stayed in his 100-mile circle, and yet 2,000 years later, we're talking about him. The world's talking about him. Yeah, that's my king, right? So I want you to think about who, who he is. And if, if, if you were asked that, who he is, you know, Jesus was teaching People would follow him. They followed him all around. They wanted to hear the word. They, because he was giving them the word of hope. He was, he was not only healing them, but he was feeding their souls. And so one day after they were, um, they, he had been ministering, he, he talked to his disciples and he said, Who do the people say that I am? 
right? And they said, who did they say? Said John the Baptist. Oh, I went the wrong way. All right, so in Mark 8, it says, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around, how do you say that? Caesarea Philippi. On the way, I'm going to get my glasses on. Oh, I got it right here. <laughs> on the way, he asked them, who do the people say I am? They, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Okay, Peter answered, you are the Messiah. I think that's such an important question right there. Why did he ask, but what about you? So I want you to think about, if you were to go up to First Monday Trades Days and you see thousands of people, and if Jesus was up there and he asked, who do, you, who do those people say that I am? Well, they say, you know, you're a great teacher, you're a prophet, you're all this. But if I said, Christy, who do you say that I am? If I'm Jesus, it, now I personalize that, right? That's what Jesus was asking, but who do you say that I am? And that's so very important that we understand it's not who do they say I am, it's who do you say I am. It's a personal relationship. And so... I really want us to focus on that. So I started looking at that. And who does the Bible say? It says uh, in, in John 1 that he's the Savior. 2 Corinthians, he's the great comforter. In Matthew 8, he's the great physician. John 6, he's the bread of life. The Son of God, the chief cornerstone in Matthew. The Word in John 1. The Good Shepherd in John 10. Emmanuel, Matthew 1. Lamb of God, John 1. Light of the world, our hope. Prince of Peace and the Alpha and the Omega. Those were just a few of the terms because I started just Googling that. If you Google bread of life, it just pops up. I love Google, right? But the Bible, every book in the Bible has Jesus connected to it. Not just the New Testament, but the Old Testament as well. So I think it's important that we, we realize who we're, uh, who we're talking about here. But you think about our Christian faith. Everything that has to do with the Christian faith, Christ is the center of that. He better be. right? He should be. And as a result, knowing about Christ is essential, but it's, he's, it's, it's, it's a personal relationship. Our relationship with Christ is tied to our human condition, redemption, and salvation. It's not a choice that you have. You have to have that personal relationship. Okay, and I'm going to show you why. As Christians, these are facts. Now we're talking about the head knowledge. What are the facts about Jesus Christ? He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the Creator, the Son of God, part of the Holy Trinity. He came to earth and was born to a virgin named Mary. He lived on the earth 33 years. He died on a cross. He was buried in a tomb three days after his death. He rose from the grave. The Bible says that over 500 people saw Jesus after he rose from the grave. So this is not just a few guys seeing him. Over 500 saw him. He ascended to heaven. And praise God, he's coming back again. Right? These are facts that we know. Okay? So think about that. I say that facts. That's, that's the head knowledge. You know these are facts. Now check this out, though. What do the demons believe about him? 
He's the Alpha and Omega. They know that. He's the Creator. He's the Son of God. He's part of that Holy Trinity. He came to earth and was born of Mary. He lived for 33 years. He died on the cross. He was buried in a tomb. Three days later, he rose from the grave. He knows it. I said 300. I, I didn't change it over here. It's, he knows that over 500 people saw Jesus. They know that he ascended to heaven, and they say, because they ask him, remember when he was talking to him, pulled him out of the pigs and said, what are you doing back so soon? It's not time yet. They know he's coming again, right? So the facts that we know, they know too. So let's don't get too uh, proud of ourselves that, hey, I know that, that he, he died and I know that he rose from the grave. The demons in hell know that, okay? So what is the difference? I can tell you what the difference is. The early church encapsulated it with, like this. Jesus is Lord. There's your difference right there. Because he's not the Lord of the demons, right? But he's the Lord of the Christians. And if you're a Christian and he's Lord, that's the difference. Now, we're going to talk later on. What does that mean? Because you can have the head knowledge. We've got to move it from the head to the heart, right? And that's what I really want to talk to you today about is not just having the head knowledge. Because Christ talks a lot about that. And we're going to see that here shortly. But now that we confirmed... Who, the facts about him. Let's, let's confirm who, who he is and what the difference is. Before we do that, who is Satan? The Bible says Lucifer was not satisfied in worshiping God. Instead, he wanted to be worshiped. Once a beautiful, powerful angel of God, he lost his former exalted position in heaven. Lucifer, we call him Satan, is fallen but powerful. These are Jesus' words. But powerful spirit being with a well-organized network. This is what God, this is what Jesus said. Of demon powers to help him accomplish his purposes. And those purposes, according to John 10, according to Jesus, are to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay? The Bible says that one-third of the angels fell. It also said that that was a number that you couldn't even calculate. It was 10,000 times to time 10,000. So that's 100 million. Okay? 100 million angels, if, if those numbers. The, the point is, one-third of heaven of the angels fell. So the church is not quite in a third, but you're, you're close. So you guys over here, I want all of you to stand up. I'm not calling you out as demons. <laughs> okay? But I want you to get this visual. Okay, because it's important. So there's roughly 50 of these guys. That would be 200 million. If each one of them represented 200 million, 50 times that. Am I right on that? That's right. Are you looking at me? Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at you, D. Okay, so that's the bad news. Okay, you guys can sit down because here's the good news. The good news is that two-thirds of the angels are on our side. The rest of you, I want you to stand up. So each one of you represent 200 million angels that are still in heaven, that are on our side. You can say amen to that. Amen. All right? Because if you're going to war, and we know this is a spiritual war, you got one-third against you, and you got two-thirds for you. Right? Not only that, look at this. We also have Jesus Christ who conquered Satan. Okay, you guys can sit down, you angels, you. We have Christ on our side. 
So you, you put that in perspective, though. So I Googled this morning. How many people live in the city of Dallas? Dallas proper is 1,343,000. 200 million. Or 100, 100 million fail. So that's 75 times the population of Dallas. Wow. That's a lot. But multiply that by you guys. Right? So you see how many more? Be encouraged. There's so many more on our side. If you're going to battle, that's the good odds. Right? You guys play ball. If you've got your teammates or your, your opponents out number two to one, you're, you got, you're going to win. And I'm going to tell you, I've read the last chapter. We won. Okay? We're going to win that. All right? Okay. So let's back up. So the good news is that two-thirds of the angels are on the side. This is said by Elijah. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. You have to keep that in mind. Because we're going to talk a lot about how crazy of a world that we live in right now. You know, a lot of people would say, talking about this Lord stuff, I'm good with just coming to church. I'm good with just even teaching on Sundays or Sunday um, in the children's area or Wednesday night, that I'm good with that. Then God bless you for doing that. But a lot of people will say, but I'm not, I don't want to get all in, okay? I want to just have one foot in and one foot out. Sorry, but that's not allowed. That's not my rules. That's not this church's rules. That's what the God's, God's Word says. And so if you look at this, and, and he talks about it right here in Revelation, he says, So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Okay, just think about that for a while. This is Jesus talking. So sometimes we get in the habit and we go, I was sharing with the, uh, the prayer team this morning. I grew up, I mean, I'm as Baptist as you can get, okay? And some of you guys are going to know this. Back in the day when we had training union and all these other things going on, we had an envelope and you would check out. Uh, it put on, you'd have a check mark. Did you read your Bible daily? Did you, are you giving? Are you... You know, I forget all the checks. But you literally went through it and checked. You turned in your envelope, and they posted it up on the front of the church. Can any of you remember that? I mean, that was the way that the Baptist church worked. And this is a, I'm not bashing the Baptist. I'm still Baptist. I mean, I'm, this is a, a, a mission church from the Baptist. What I'm saying to you is we were programmed on checklists. Okay? And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. Those are good habits. Those are great disciplines to be in, getting in the Word of God. But it's more than that. It's got to be more than that. The Bible says be doers, not just hearers. But be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. It's too many times we get wrapped up in the thing. We can get really busy inside the church. Those are doers. Okay, so, and, and, and we can become doers and not hearers. Big difference there. So when we prayed today, we prayed that the, the scales would fall off and our ears would be open to God's word, not my words, but to God's word, that you not just hear, not just do, but you hear. You hear, don't deceive yourselves. What else does it say? 
Ooh. Jesus shares a warning about false prophets. These people may claim to be Christian, may say all the right things, or have miraculous power displays, but in reality, they may not truly belong to God. That's in Matthew 7. Jesus says that we will recognize them by their fruits. Okay? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers, workers of lawlessness. Guys, that's, that's true. But we better hear that and we got to understand that, that you can do all the checklist stuff you don't want to get before Christ and say, depart from me. He say, depart from me. I never knew you. That's why I want, to, I want us to know today. Do you know him? That's why he asked Peter. And that's why we should take that, that question to heart. Who do you say that I am? Don't just say all those facts. Look, look what they were doing. They come in my father's name on... Um, they prophesied. Many said, Lord, Lord, and we did all these things in your name. We even cast out demons in your name. They were doing all the things, but they, they weren't making him their Lord. So, so very, very important. If Jesus is the Lord of your life, we talked about this at the, at the men's outing yesterday. What does that look like? You, unpack that, as Jeff would say. Unpack that. What is making Jesus the Lord of your life? Lord means he's Lord of everything. He's the Lord of your eyes. He's the Lord of your tongue. He's the Lord of your computer. He's the Lord of how you respond at work. He's the Lord of who you are when no one's looking. He's the Lord of every decision that you make. You know, every decision has consequences. Guys, whether we like that or not, I wish that wasn't the rule, but every decision we make has consequences. Making him the Lord of your life. It doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. Because there's not a single one in here today, not one of us, that doesn't struggle with some kind of sin. Right? That's just the way it is. There's sin that we, that we each and every one of us struggle with. But we have, to, we have to really believe that we can make Christ the Lord of our life. And so I, I'm going to ask you again. Do you believe this word? You said you did. You said that you, we all agreed this is God's word and that um, everything that we, that is true from cover to cover. So let's see what it says about people that are not all in. We, we talked about uh, what Christ will say to you, he, that he'll spit you out of his mouth, that depart from me for I never knew you. Here was something I came across, and it says, this is from Max Yance, whoever that is. Maybe you guys know him. Maybe I should know him, but I don't. A demonic spirit's favorite activity is making a person feel religious without understanding the Word of God. Okay? Think about that. That's, the spirit's okay with you coming in here. The, the enemy is okay with you coming in here. 
He doesn't care if you come in here. It's what you do with that. As long as you don't get in that word of God. Don't start getting into that stuff that, can, that you can use against me. So guys, when the, if you don't believe that there's a divisive spirit in this community, in this world, and all the chaos that we've got going on in our country, you better check yourself. And, and what does God's word say? These, your battles are not your battles. There are spiritual battles going on. We talked about that. David has shared that with us. Look, these demonic spirits, they don't care for you to feel religious. Get that in your head. They don't care if you do that. It's just what do you do with that information. But I'm going to tell you, don't play around with God. We saw what he does. And I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story. That was my story. Because I told you, I, if you've heard me speak before, I grew up in Beaver Cleaver's home. <laughs> I had a mom and dad that uh, took me to church, my brother, and we did all those things. We did all the church things. I walked the aisle when I was eight. I got baptized. I went to vacation Bible school and every revival that that church ever had. <laughs> we were there. But as I started growing older, at the age of about 13, I started doubting my salvation because the enemy, at, at 8 to 13, I wasn't really impacting the kingdom right so he left me alone then when I when I turned 13 he started really focusing on me and saying you know you don't know Jesus you are eight years old how can that you're not saved what did the enemy come to do to lie steal destroy and kill kill your hope that that's what he did and he he pushed that on me from the age of 13 all the way up till I was 22 years old we, uh, Pat and I had gotten married. We had, when we were 17, I was 17, we went through the church, the, uh, the first shooting that the, this nation has ever had, the first church shooting. We went through that. Satan jumped on that and said, see, I told you. I became, a, there's a bitter part of me that started dealing with that. I got bitter. I got angry. I'm like, where was God? I started listening to those voices in my head. Then I would go through the revivals, and I would, I would pray at, at the pew. I would just grab the pew and, 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 and hold on to it because I knew God was working on me. And I would pray, God, if I didn't know you when I was eight, I want to know you now. And I would, I, I bet I prayed that a hundred times. And then when we moved to North Carolina, I kept, we got really involved in a church in Charlotte. We started teaching the youth and doing the puppets and doing all these things. And the whole time, and Satan, the enemy, was saying, yeah, but you're not saved. And he kept on telling me these lies. Satan will lie to you, right? Remember that. I'm going to come back to that. I had enough of that one day. I went to see my pastor. His name was Dr. Steve Googe. And I called him during the middle of the day. I said, look, I'm on your side of town. I really want to talk to you. And I shared with him my story. And he set me down, and he gave me just tremendous counsel. We prayed together. We went through, again, the plan of salvation. And he told me, and I've shared this with you before. He told me, look, it is now settled Write it in the front of your Bible. Date it February the 17th, 1984. It's settled. Right? It's over. Anytime the enemy comes to you now, just take him right here. Now get out of here. It was, it was settled in February 17th, 1984. It's over. Take that to somewhere else. And he did for a while. Okay, so then five years later, we moved back to Texas. We, we found this little bitty church that had just started. 
Uh, they had 45 people in it. It was called Lakeside Baptist. We got to be a part of that church. We got to be a part of to, to watch it grow. We got to be part of the building and team and the ministry teams. And um, we were teaching the youth. Then we started teaching the adults. I became a deacon of the church. And then Satan shows up again. And he goes, yeah, I know you say that it was settled. But you haven't been baptized. And I said, no, I was baptized when I was eight. But no, you haven't been baptized since you made this profession of faith. And your Jesus says, if you don't profess me before men, I won't profess you before my father. And he said, so you hadn't been baptized, you hadn't been saved. First of all, baptism doesn't make you saved. Okay? It doesn't. But, what, but Satan knows scripture, and he started putting that guilt on me to try to keep me from being effective in that, in that ministry. What he wasn't counting on was he didn't think I would do anything about that. So the next Sunday, I come down the aisle. I go talk to my best friend, Mark Moore, and I say, I, I want to get baptized. And he's like, you want to do what? <laughs> you're teaching. and you're, I mean, he didn't say this, but I could see. Satan was counting on me thinking, okay, you're a teacher. You're a deacon. You're doing these things. What are people going to say? What are they going to think? How are they going to look at you? That's the lies that he was telling me. He just wasn't counting on me addressing that. And so I went to, to Mark and I said, I realize that baptism is just a, a profession of, of being obedient, right? And I want that on the right side of my salvation, right? I settled in, in, in North Carolina and I'm going to be baptized. He goes, okay. Got baptized. Now what do you got, Satan? <laughs> right? So from that point on, every single day, darts get shot at me. Every day, Satan's trying to find some way in. And that's why the Word says you have to put on the full armor of God every single day. And I'm going to encourage you, you have to do that. How do you do that? You, you read God's Word. You pray. Paul says you're to pray continuously. Guys, you've got to stay in the Word of God. Because the enemy doesn't give up. He may take a break, and then he comes back. But I can tell you, um, I'm so far off of this, so y'all have to forgive me. <laughs> I can tell you this. God's got a big plan for this church, for this community. And we're going to get everything right, and we're going to get the groundwork and the foundation in place because I really believe Revival's getting ready to start. And we're going to settle all these different thoughts and things. Anything that the enemy is trying to keep you away from, we're going to address. So here's some questions that you, as, as a believer, you have, you have this to give you encouragement. Okay? There's never been a more chaotic time in our, in our history. What are we going to do if, you fill in the blank, when's the presidential election? I know that's on a lot of you, everyone's mind, right? Romans 13 says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, granted by his permission and sanction, and those which exist have been put in place by God. Can you say amen to that, right? So regardless of what happens, and I, I don't care. To, to, for you to tell me I'm for this guy or that guy. I don't care. 
I just want the church to be united because God's in control, all right? Whoever he allows to be the leader, he's allowed. We have a, a right to vote, and with that right comes responsibility, but he's in control. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. How many have dealt with anxiety in the last six months? I mean, guys, I'm going to tell you, and Pat will tell you, I never dealt with anxiety. I didn't understand anxiety, and anxiety hit me. It hit me hard, and I'm like, I, I don't even know how to deal with this. i tell you how I did do, deal with it. I turned the TV off and the radio off because you get so much, and it doesn't matter which channel you're watching. You watch Fox or you watch CNN, and they're just, they're just bombarding you, and it creates anxiety. And we got to step out of that as believers, and we put our full trust in our king. He's got this. He's in total control with this. How am I to know what to do? We've never been through times like this. Go to God's word. James 1, 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Okay? Wisdom says, I mean, we, we need wisdom. We need godly wisdom. You should ask God. That's a gift that God wants to give you, but you've got to ask him. You have to ask him. So you, got, you want wisdom to how to deal with this? You go to the source. My coworker is great to be around on Sundays at church, but they are in a total different person Monday through Friday. <laughs> Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The Apostle Paul counsels us to live in harmony with each other. Okay? Do not be judging in order that you may not be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. Be careful, church. <laughs> it's, we can judge inside the church. Be real careful with that. Because you're setting the standard for how you're going to be judged. That's not my words. That's what it says. It will be measured to you. How are we possibly going to make it through times like that? Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are, are possible. Right? That's how you get through it. You lean on that word. See, you start get, you're beginning to give up. You're beginning to give up how you're going to do it and how you're turning it over to him, right? You're, 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 you're giving him that lordship because you're looking to him. You're moving from checking it off. I've read my Bible. I prayed today. I did these things. You are beginning to understand that, but with God, all things are, are, are possible. I was listening to a podcast today, and it said, how do I know if I'm growing in the Lord? I thought the answer was great. He said, you have less answers and better questions. That'll preach. I'm going to tell that to David and let him preach on that. <laughs> but that will preach. You know, you'll have, you won't have all the answers. You'll just have better questions. Sometimes when we're praying, we're asking the wrong question. We're asking in the wrong way. And if any time you're praying and it's like, well, they always do blah, blah, blah. Why, God, are they doing that? If you're, if you're focused on someone else, that's why God's not giving you that answer. 
You need to reverse that and go, God, change my heart. Help me to understand how to pray. Help me, help me how to understand how to pray for that person. You know, so change, ask better questions. Just seems like everything in my life is going wrong. Do I just give up? James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that this testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish the work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. Guys, we just got to persevere through this, these times. 2020 will be over. <laughs> I, could, I could go on way too long on that. I'm ready for this year to be over, just like many of you are, others are. But, but, you know, God's got this. There's nothing that happened in 2020 that surprised him. COVID didn't surprise God, right? We, but you know what? The enemy thought that COVID would kill the church. Praise God that, that was, he was wrong again. Because he was outnumbered, two to one. I'm worried to death about the economy, COVID, and this election. For God, for the Spirit of God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Guys, you got to know that. You got to know your king is in control. And that you are a child of the king. But you know what we didn't do in the church? I, I think that we have failed in the church and not teaching us and, and learning that what it means to be the child of the king. What it means to have that power and that you can speak under the authority of Jesus Christ. When we get that, these other problems, they have no, the enemy, they cannot stand. When you speak and you command the, these these spirits of division or whatever under the name and authority of Jesus Christ, you have to leave. They don't have a choice. The name of Jesus is that powerful. So don't ever forget that. I feel like everyone is against me. If God's for us, who can be against us? Okay? You know, you start looking at these. A lot of this is just like we're having this pity party. That's what, that's what the enemy wants you to do. They want you to see how bad things are, how bad COVID is, how everything, and yet, God, if God's for us, who can be against us, right? He's got this. I can't take the stress any longer, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Guys, you got to know him. Once you get to that point that, you're, that he's your Lord, you can claim every one of these things, every single one of them. So when we said that Jesus is the Lord of our life, he's the Lord of all things. These are going to be the last three verses, 11, 15, I'm not too far off. Last three verses I want to share with you because it's, it, we're going to take it to the, to the final level here. He says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No works are going to get you there. Right? Only Jesus, that's what he says. As surely as I've lived, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will confess and acknowledge God. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, 
I also will acknowledge them before my Father in heaven. Listen, but whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Okay? You, you can come to church. You can do all the activity. You can be very busy. But if you get, if you go back to work, you go back to school, and you're denying the Father, you're de denying who he is, you're, you're on some dangerous ground there, guys. You're, you're in the middle of, depart from me, for I never knew you. So my word to you today is make sure that you know who Jesus is. Not just up here, but here. Make sure that you're, the decisions that you're making are God-centered and they're God-based. And understand you're going to mess up. That's where grace comes in. God's grace saves us. It's our faith through him, but it's through grace because you're going to mess up. And guys, that's why we encourage you here. Get an accountability partner. We talked about that yesterday at the clay shoot. We, you need accountability partners. We all do. To not only just keep us in check on the things that we struggle with, but to encourage us. Right? I mean, we need those verses. We need to have them in our heart and our head. you got to call on them when things get get you down you get when you're worried and when you're stressed and when you're feeling that anxiety you go to the word of god and then you say in the name of jesus this has to leave me okay i don't think i've got any more i think that's it so i got a lot more on here though <laughs> so i'll tell you what stand with me as we pray Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, we thank you for being our Lord, our King, our Savior. God, right now, I pray that you examine our hearts, O oh Lord. Give our brothers and sisters clear understanding of who you are and who you want them to be. And God, as we continue to pray, I'm just going to ask each person here, if you were to die today, would Jesus know who you are? You know who he is. But will he know who you are? Will he say, welcome home, my good and faithful servant? Or will he say, depart from me, for I never knew you? Like I was saying, uh, some of you may have been playing a game with God just like I was. Just going through the motions, but never making that all-in decision for Christ. Some of you may, may need to make a profession of faith for the very first time. Some of you may need to rededicate your life and make him the Lord of your life. Some of you may need to go to a co-worker and say, let's hit the reset button. Let's forgive each other and let's start a fresh and new. Some of you know that you're saved, have made the all-in commitment to the Lord, and you simply need to come to the altar and pray. And pray for those that need to make that step, uh, step of faith. So whatever your situation is today, guys, I want, to, I want to invite you. Holy Father, I just pray that your spirit right now just uh, convicts us, God, where, we're, where our need is. Show us. May the scales fall off of our eyes. And may you be glorified. So, God, I'm going to open the altar up. Guys, uh, I just want you to pray. 
I'm going to ask the prayer teams, if, if you're on the prayer team, I want you to come to the altar and pray. And God, uh, guys, if you're a home group leader, I'm going to ask you to come forward. And if, if, if you want to pray, if any of you want to pray with one of your home group leaders, you want to pray with me. There's nothing that we want to do more at this church than to honor God and to make sure that you're in the place that you need to be. So, Father, we just uh, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, we just pray that you will be glorified, that you'll change our hearts. And, Father, we just ask in these, these final moments before we leave that if there's anyone today that just needs to repent, that needs to come to you, God, we pray that you give them the strength and the, the courage to do that right now. Yes, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. You're the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You're my king. Father, I, I pray that, uh, that the, today, as we depart from here, that we'll take your word and we'll realize it's time for us to get serious about who you are. God, I pray that each person that's here today will, will deal with that personally. And that they will um, they'll quit playing the game, God. They quit listening to the enemy. Father, the enemy is here to kill, steal, and destroy. But we thank you in the name of Jesus. He's outnumbered. So, Father, I pray for each person, each family that leaves here today that we, you'll be glorified and that we'll know who you are, not just head knowledge, but heart knowledge. And, Lord, I ask this in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys. The only announcement that we had um, was that Wednesday nights we're back open on our regular schedule. Okay? All right. You're dismissed. Thank you.